All right. Well, let's get this party started. Welcome to Matins. I'm Father Timothy Matkin. And uh, it's a delight to be with you this morning. We're coming to you on the Feast of St. Michael and All Angels, Michaelmas. And uh, one of my favorite days of the year. A lot of uh, academic terms are named Michaelmas term. Um, at seminary, we matriculated on Michaelmas. So that's when we signed the, the big book that all the students in the history of the seminary signed in as official students. And uh, that was a wonderful occasion. I've always liked uh, Michaelmas, the Feast of St. Michael and All Angels. Let's begin with the prayer from the prayer book for the feast day. Let us pray. O everlasting God, who hast ordained and constituted the services of angels and men in a wonderful order, mercifully grant that as thy holy angels always do thee service in heaven, so by thine appointment they may succor and defend us on earth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee, in the unity of the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about angels. And I thought I might share my own uh, story about angels, if it is a story about angels. I don't know if it's a story about angels. But uh, it makes me think back to Hebrews 13, 2. Don't uh, neglect to show a hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And this is a reference back to the story in Genesis of Abraham entertaining the three um, anonymous, mysterious visitors who turn out to be speaking for God um, and in some uh, iconography represent the persons of the Trinity. And uh, so this has been kind of the uh, go-to example for angels that we encounter in life that we're not exactly sure that we are. Maybe we don't know it at the time. Maybe we find out later. Maybe we never find out. In fact, I think that would be one of the wonderful things about heaven is learning all the things that happened that we were never aware of. Things behind the scenes. Angels unaware, you know, when they did some little thing to steer our path away from danger or steer it towards something good. And uh, we were just never aware of it. Well, my story begins in my seminary journey. And uh, I guess it was 1999. It was, it was, I was going to party like it's 1999, so I decided to go to seminary. So I'm getting packed up and ready. The lease is running out, and it's, it's all going to be timed perfectly. But I need to haul my stuff north to Wisconsin. And to do that, I need a, a trailer. No problem, went to U-Haul, uh, got it all rented. But I need a trailer hitch for my car because it doesn't come with one. So I ordered a hitch. Um, well, it doesn't come in. This is supposed to come in in a week. Uh, doesn't come in. Next week, doesn't come in. Third week, doesn't come in. Like, what in the world? So now I'm homeless, basically. Uh, my lease on my apartment has run out. I have to move all my stuff into my friend's apartment because he's moved into a different place and graciously allows me to stay with him. I'm still waiting for this hitch. It doesn't show up. Uh, school is about to start. I need to get up there. I'm going to be late. Um, and it just, I, I start to wonder, it's like, am I doing the wrong thing? Is this whole enterprise just uh, not right? Let me see if I can plug in here. I forgot to plug in my microphone. 
maybe that goes better. Who knows? We'll see. Anyway, so I'm, I'm late for seminary. There's an opening kind of welcome week um, that I'm going to be not arriving until the end of. I'm still waiting for this hitch. Uh, so I decide to see if I can get something else done. And um, so I go to this uh, auto place and they will weld me a custom hitch. Like, why didn't I do this in the first place? If I'd known they weren't going to show up on time, then I would have done it in the first place. So I get that taken care of. And finally, I'm loaded up, and I'm on my way. And I'm going to arrive late, but hey, I'm on my way. They know it. It's no big deal. So I had had some discouragement, but then I thought, okay, maybe this is how it all, it, it's all supposed to work out. Uh, because I'd begun to doubt. I'd like, you know, is... Is this just uh, you know the devil trying to uh, thwart my path toward goodness? Is this God trying to say, you know, this is really not the right thing? What's going on? Well, I'm on my way, feeling a lot better. I'm driving through Dallas, and it's like 108 degrees. <laughs> and it's a drought time, and everything is bone dry. And I get into Arkansas. And if you've ever driven up, I guess, I forget what it is. Uh, the road that goes up toward Arkansas. Anyway, it starts to get very bumpy. And uh, this trailer is just loaded down. And it's it's all that my car can bear. And uh, so I'm just watching this thing in my rearview mirror as it bobs up and down. And I'm just praying, come on, hold together. Just hold together. Because it's not going to be this bumpy the whole time. Um, so I'm watching it. I'm watching it. Keeps bobbing up and down, but it's still there. And then I look up one time, and I notice that the wheel on the trailer is like at a 45-degree angle. <laughs> That's not right. So I start to ease off the road and uh, look up again, and the wheel is gone. And in its place is a huge, you know, 20-foot plume of sparks uh, because the the nub that the wheel was attached to is dragging on the concrete and uh, hot metal is being chipped off and flung into the air. Well, I thankfully, I'd already kind of started to make my way off the side of the road um, and uh, very quickly came to a stop. Uh, no problem there, thank goodness. But of course, I looked back in my rearview mirror again and uh, I see a trailer still behind me but there's also this plume of smoke coming up. And the smoke is because all that hot metal that was spewed off the side of the road with sparks has started a fire. And uh, I'm in Arkansas, on the far side of Hope, and everything is bone dry. And so I jump out of the car, so I try to put out this fire. And it is quickly building I mean, it's spreading, spreading like wildfire. What can I say? The grass is, is burning very quickly. And uh, so I'm doing my best trying to just stamp it out with my foot. What else have I got? I don't have a fire extinguisher. And uh, I'm doing my best, but I'm fighting a losing battle. Thankfully, some other people pulled over, jumped out of their car, and started doing the same thing, trying to save Arkansas from being burned to the ground. Because it's, it seems like it's quickly making its way toward, you know, away from the road and toward 
the bushes in the forest um, where, you know, it would take over like one of those awful California wildfires. Uh, somebody has said that they called 911, uh, so fire should be on its way, but, you know, how long is it going to take them to get there out in the middle of between different towns on the highway? Um, I'm doing my best. Other people jumped out. They're doing their best. And then some good old boys in a pickup truck pull over. And in the back of their truck, it's full of shovels. And so they start handing out shovels to people. And people start turning over the dirt and putting out the fire. And this dirt is real easy to turn over. It's like sand. And uh, very quickly... The fire gets put out. And uh, right about that time, a fire truck pulls up, and I um, go over to talk to them and just, you know, thank them for coming, and it looks like this is all that we need. And um, and then uh, some people uh, help me uh, detach the trailer so I can drive up to the next town. My car's fine. And uh, the trailer, you know, is still missing that wheel. It, I remember when I, st- when I came to a stop, it had, the tire had come off. Not the tire, but the whole wheel. And so when I stopped, <laughs> the, tire, the wheel went flying past me, bouncing off, rolling into the, into the woods. Uh, so it was lost. Who knows where it ended up. And people helped me detach. They, you know, lifted up the trailer just enough for me to pull out from under that, and and I'd be on my way. And, of course, I wanted to thank the guys who had pulled over with the shovels, because that made all the difference. I mean, we it was a losing battle before they pulled over, and it quickly got resolved and fixed after they arrived. So I really wanted to thank them, but I couldn't find them. Um, in dealing with the fire department and and uh, with detaching from the trailer, uh, they'd packed up and they were gone. But it always made me wonder if, uh, much like in the book of Genesis with Abraham, if I had been entertaining angels unawares. And for me, kind of the, the really s- strong part of the argument is after that, I really had a sense of this is not God telling me um, this seminary thing is not for you. It is the forces of darkness trying to stand in the way. Don't let anything stand in the way. God will help you whenever you come across obstacles. They call angels messengers, messengers of God's will. And I feel like I was really brought a message that day. Whether it was angelic beings, beings of pure spirit that may manifest themselves to fulfill God's purpose at a particular occasion, Or not, I don't know. But I certainly feel like I got the message and that there was a message for me. I don't know if it was two angelic beings who helped me that day or merely two human beings engaged in God's angelic work. But I do know that I was touched by angelic ministry that day and I'm thankful for being protected and cared for. So I believe in angels, Uh, not because of that cheesy song, not even because of my experience in trying to put out a fire on the roadside in Arkansas, but because of divine revelation. God tells us about angels. We find that in Catholic tradition, particularly, of course, in the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, that tell us that these spiritual beings exist 
and they are part of the invisible part of God's created order. <clears throat> of course, people are very interested in angels in our American culture. Most of the current popularity springs from interest in such things as New Age spirituality and near-death experiences. In fact, I was really astonished. I, I want to share some resources with you. We did a study on angels not too long ago. Uh, I think maybe it was last year, maybe the year before. Um, there's this marvelous book called Angels and Their Mission uh, by Jean Danilou. I hope I'm saying that right. I'll put uh, links to these in the uh, show notes later on. And uh, this is a very nice book. It's not too long. It's about... Uh, 120 pages, and uh, it's from a Catholic perspective. We, when we did our study, uh, we did it with, um, believe it or not, Billy Graham's book called Angels, and uh, it's really, really good. I remember I did a study in uh, fifth grade or fourth grade in religion class, and um, some of these things were really new ideas to the students and to their parents, and one of the parents asked me, he's like, where are you getting all this stuff? I'm like, well, from the Bible. No, 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 you got some kind of study guide you're using. Uh, what are you using? I said, well, I'm using Billy Graham's book. She's like, okay. <laughs> I guess it is really true, because there's a lot of misconceptions about angels. And uh, Billy Graham, the one thing that really struck me, first of all, he, he points out things that we kind of gloss over, like, according to the Bible... Just only what it says in the Bible. The only one who is mentioned as being an archangel is Michael. So Gabriel is just described as, described as an angel. And then, of course, he doesn't get into Raphael, because that comes in the Old Testament Apocrypha. But he mentions Metatron, which, which really caught me off guard. See, on page 90... Um, he says, therefore, just as Jesus is with us now through the Holy Spirit, revealing himself and his will, so was he with his people in ages past, and so shall he be for all time to come, the angel of God's presence who leads us. To his faithful of past ages, God the Father revealed his presence through angels, through the angel of the Lord, God the Son, Jesus Christ. He revealed himself and redeemed us by the Son's crucifixion, death, and resurrection. And by, when he talks about Jesus being, being an angel, he's not speaking in a literal sense of Jesus is the created being called an angel. Uh, what he's talking about is he's the messenger of God's revelation. He is bringing us the gospel, bringing us the message of salvation. So he's talking about the wider uh, sense, the meaning of the word angel, which is messenger. Uh, Jewish scholars called the angel of the Lord by the name Metatron, the angel of countenance, because he witnesses the countenance of God continuously and therefore works to extend the program of God for each of us. And uh, that's about all he says about it. But if you look up Metatron on Google, you will find all kinds of New Age stuff. There's a lot of uh, New Age and Wicca stuff related to Metatron. Um, so I found that very fascinating. Another resource is uh, from uh, the Reverend R. O. Kennedy, very Irish-sounding name. I think I picked this up at a half-price bookstore or something. And this is really, really good, a, a wonderful um, reference manual. Uh, the Holy Angels, that's the only title, The Holy Angels. 
and it's basically a, set up in a question and answer format. It says it was written for the Diocese of Limerick, um, and that comes back in 1887, so this is old. And so its, it's questions are like, um, uh, how, many, how many members of each species? Are the angels of all of one species? Uh, do the angels know all this world? Do the angels know future things? Can the angels know future things? Can the angels know free acts? Can they understand mysteries of faith? Do they reason? Can they act freely? Um, uh, the fall of the angels. What number fell? What was the greater, the fallen or the unfallen? Did God predestine man to fill vacant thrones? Did angels fall from each of the choirs? Um, all kind of, Basically, every kind of question you can come up with. Um, <clears throat> so, a lot of books about angels, a lot of resources about angels, um, and you have to be discerning when you pick up information about angels because there will be a lot of new age resources about angels. So make sure you're getting good, scriptural, Catholic, traditional, Christian information about angels. First of all, just some basic facts. Angels are pure spirits created by God. So they are His creatures. God, remember, created all things, visible and invisible, as we say in the Nicene Creed. So the angels were created in vast numbers. We don't know the exact number. Uh, and it seems likely they were made before humans. Contrary to popular belief, angels are not dead humans. It's very important to remember that when human beings die, they don't turn into something else. They don't turn into angels. They don't turn into horses, crocodiles, gods. They just turn into dead human beings. And at the resurrection, their bodies are restored and returned and uh, we're made whole again. But we're human beings. We're not angels or anything else. Um, so you remain who you were created to be, a human being. And the angels remain whom they were created to be. So they're not dead humans. Likewise, they're not pre-incarnate humans. So that is, they're not like babies waiting to be born. That's not what angels are either. We don't pre-exist. The only human being that ever pre-exist was Jesus Christ, because he's God, come down from heaven, incarnate in a human, um, as a human being. So the Bible tells us they were made without sex. That is, they're neither male nor female. They don't reproduce. Uh, and so in Christian art, they're often depicted as looking neither particularly male or female, masculine or feminine. Um, they never die. Um, while they're beings of pure spirit and have no physical bodies, uh, thus they're normally invisible, they can, by God's power, assume a physical form in order to accomplish a particular mission. The angels are arranged in a hierarchy of form and function. While the angels are pure spirits of consciousness and will, as is God, they are not omnipotent, omniscient, nor omnipresent like God is. Only God is those things. It's also important to remember, because we often so, so often hear these attributes, all-present, all-knowing, and seemingly all-powerful, being attributed to Lucifer, the fallen angel. He is nothing of the sort. Only God is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. Neither is Lucifer, neither is any other angel. Um, far from being all-powerful, Satan is more like a beaten dog. And Michael, the standard bearer, is charged with keeping him at bay. 
Yet because of their nature, we should note that angels do have abilities and virtues far beyond, and perhaps uh, even the, the saints in heaven. Because they're not physical, it follows that they're not bound by physical limitations. For the faithful angels, their will is in total conformity with their faculty of reason. They are sinless, and they have internal integrity, we might say. Their will is harmonized with reason, unlike us who have concupiscence because our will is all frustrated by our passions and so on. Many of the angels fell from this high estate with the rebellion led by Lucifer, the most exalted of God's angelic creatures. God made the angels free to choose to love or not to love, and some of the angels did not choose wisely. John Milton, in book two of his epic poem Paradise Lost, provides a vivid portrait of this moment of rebellion. In his mind, Lucifer, through his own pride, became absorbed in self-love, and conceived of sin, his daughter, who burst forth from the left side of his head, a gory mess, blood-soaked offspring of a vain mind. Looking at his daughter, named Sin, the devil lusted after her and raped her. She conceived and gave birth to her brother, Death. In turn, Death lusted after his sister, Sin, and violated her by his own incestuous and repeated rape. Now she sits by the infernal gates and gives birth to the hounds of hell, who forever torment her by eating out her bowels. Wow. <laughs> of course, this is, you know, symbolic language, metaphorical language. I, I think Milton got it right. Could there ever be a more vivid description of the depravity of sinful self-love? Of course, the rebellion spawned by the jealousy and pride of Satan were defeated by the archangel Michael and all the hosts of heaven. Unlike us, the fallen angels or demons enjoy no possibility of redemption. The revelation of St. John the Divine tells us that they were expelled from heaven and cast down to earth, where they assault the brethren and do their best to thwart the will of God. They know their time is short before the last judgment and that God has given us the final victory. They also know that the power of God is always stronger than the forces of darkness. Through prayer, grace, and the intercession of angels, we have God's protection against the crafts and assaults of the devil. Many more angels remained faithful to God than rebelled against him. They serve their creator and carry out his goodwill towards humans. Angels are higher than us, closer to God, that is, according to nature. Thus, according to Hebrews 2.9, Christ was made a little lower than the angels when incarnated in human flesh. However, we are higher than the angels or closer to God according to grace and adoption as his children and temples of his spirit. Thus, the angels serve humankind as agents of Jesus' salvation. Angels also serve as mediators and protectors. From Jesus' allusion to angels in Matthew 18.10, we conclude that a guardian angel likely watches over each person. And elsewhere in the scriptures, we're told that they watch over or guard nations and people groups. They also carry out God's judgment upon nations. For example, 2 Kings 19. Angels also mediate prayers and graces. In Genesis, the patriarch Jacob saw a ladder or stairway going up to heaven with angels 
going up and down between heaven and earth. That's uh, Genesis 18. So angels bring us assistance, protection, and grace from God. In St. John's Revelation, we also see that they take our prayers and offerings back up to God's throne in heaven in chapter 8. At the end of earthly life, angels lead the holy souls into paradise, as they led the soul of the poor beggar Lazarus to Abraham's bosom. In the history of theology, these hosts of heaven were determined to be ordered in the common um, nine choirs of angels. That is, they are divided into three triads, three groups of three. The first angelic triad continually worships God in his immediate presence. These spirits consist of the exalted love of the fiery seraphim, and seraph literally means fire. And of course, Hebrews, we read that God is a consuming fire. And uh, so it's like there's, they're so close to God that they are on fire themselves. So they are the most inter, interrelated to, to God. And then moving out from there, the complete intuition of the cherubim and the perfect power of the ophanim, or thrones, usually translated thrones. The primary function of their being is to be present in the heavenly court and to attend to the perpetual adoration and praise of the divine substance. The second triad extends this divine praise and love out to the creation. The spiritual dominions, princedoms, and powers execute the love and knowledge and power of God relative to the general structure, order, and governance of the cosmos. And then the last triad serves the divine love toward humans when the virtues, the angels, and the ruling archangels come to serve and care for people on earth. It's then that angels truly become messengers of divine favor. It was the archangel Gabriel who gave the message of the Incarnation to the Blessed Virgin Mary at the, at the Annunciation. Two other archangels are mentioned in Scripture as the prince of the seraphim, the mighty St. Michael led the heavenly host in the battle against the rebelling spirits, casting them out of heaven. He delivers the message of defeat to God's enemies and the message of victory to us. St. Raphael, the archangel, delivered Tobias's wife from demonic obsession. Raphael is also commonly associated with the angelic trembling of the healing waters in the pool of Bethesda. He delivered the message of God's healing and reconciliation. So overall, the heavenly hierarchy moves from the freedom and might of contemplative adoration by the seraphim, cherubim, and thrones, through the principled order and sovereignty ruled by the dominions, princedoms, and powers, to active service toward others in a spirit of compassion and care by the virtues, archangels, and angels. The earthly life was designed to follow this cosmic harmony. We were created to enjoy the complete and perfect goodness of God, in returning thanks for the source of our happiness. And so our worship must mirror heaven. The fullness of our being is to join in with the heavenly chorus, which forever sings, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty. Inspired by his love, we must care for the creation entrusted to us and reach out to others in service. Like the angels of God, God wants us to minister to him at his altar and minister out in the world as his messengers to creation. So that's your kind of crash course on angels for this Michaelmas Feast of St. Michael and All Angels. You can email me with questions or comments, frmatkin at priest.com. 
And uh, tune in next time. I wasn't able to be here on Tuesday, but I should be able to be here next Tuesday. And I'd like to talk about more about ordination ceremonies, the kinds of things that go on up there that you can't quite see. And we'll talk about that and learn um, what it all means. See you next time. God bless and Godspeed.